The Tea Health Show, the medical lifestyle show. Good morning. This is Chris Avon Smith and this is the Tea Health Show. Great to be with you as always. In studio with us, we have Dr. Mark. Good morning, Chris. Lovely to have you here. And of course, Dr. Melanie Jacobs. And Melanie, what are we talking about today? Uh, Chris, we're having a look at some of the senses that we use to learn and with this COVID and people desperately looking at alternative ways to assist their kids and support and get the calmness in the house. Um, we thought uh, about screen time. Right. Looking at screens that could be a, a TV, a monitor or a cell phone and what's the influence and what can we learn about these new inputs and stimuli in our brains. Fantastic. So Mel, um, the, the topic is Let's make sense of a census of learning. Now, that's a very, very important statement. And I think so much more for people with younger learners. Um, employ and utilize all the senses of learning because you learn through all five senses. Yes, uh, Mark, I think when we grow up and we become adults, um, we are focused on content and more so reading and text. And train, so eyesight. Eyesight, but also conceptualizing what you're reading. Yeah. Um, but we have to develop that sense with all the others. Otherwise, that's the only one that gets developed. And it is true that most of us only remember the things that we've read and said and read again and saw and felt. So there's much more around actually Im embedding that in your memory and in your brain and opening those neural pathways in your brain than just reading or just sitting and staring at the screen. So there's a lot of knowledge that I think parents or anybody, teachers know they are trained to do this and especially in the, in the, in the, before they start school in the foundation phase, they use tactile, they touch, they sort, they listen, they hear, they say in their own voices. But as, as we grow up, we tend to forget all of that and we just Focus on Absolutely. what we read and what we see. So this is why we played with clay and um, used big crayons and it's the sense of touch and uh, getting to know. Yes, your motor skills is how you touch fine motor, your larger motor, moving your arms, moving your legs. But the fine motor is actually getting those small neurons getting um, you know, actually working together. And uh, as, as one lady told us one day in a workshop, you've got these neural pathways. So it's small paths like a spaghetti. And if you don't practice that, it doesn't get a macaroni. And a macaroni cannot break. But spaghetti can. Right. And if any parent could just remember that That's you've so got to repeat, repeat, repeat. And when do you have to repeat? Mostly if you learn new things, it needs to be repeated within 48 hours and about 
10 to 12 times. Hence why we do homework, actually, because it's to reinforce what we learned. Exactly, Chris. And to see, oh, this is how it's going. And this is how I can accumulate um, the pathways and how I practice. Um, Therefore, if parents do homework with kids... Um, it's not really helping them. They've got to sit and struggle with that. Mm. And as I said, um, something that I think we do not acknowledge later in foundation phase is hearing your own voice and talking. Uh, my husband who works with mathematics teachers says the teachers don't read as if the child will have to read the mathematics yes. because mathematics is a language. So that reading and hearing the verbs, the numbers, um, touching, sorting out small little smarties or jelly tots, really getting that texture um, is, is actually all the senses we need. And that's the things that we are going to remember. Um, you will, as an adult, remember a smell. You will recall, yeah. I've smelt that when mm. I was four or five, or I heard that, or I felt that, that makes me anxious, or that makes me happy. So all of those senses, and we need to know that we learn with senses. So interesting, because sometimes subliminally, yes. you, you'll smell something or hear something, and suddenly you're in a state of anxiety, or you or happiness. Yes. But yes. but uh, for me, I notice it's, it's anxiety, and I don't know where that anxiety has come from. And then I think, oh, hang on, it was X. Exactly. So we need to be aware, and because I'm in the field of eyes and I know what the damage that screens can do to mm. to, to many things, to sleeping patterns, um, we've got accommodative spasm happening in the eye. And that is something that happens with adults, with older people, with with younger people. Um, and I currently have a student working on this and, and the effect of all the screening. Now, it's very nice for a school to give kids tablets mm. and to upload all their textbooks on the tablets. But that actually... Uh, limits the the space of seeing. It limits them to a small little screen. Exactly. And if they don't print that, they don't even feel the paper. And the the other thing for me is, is so if you're working on a on on a screen, you're not getting that tactileness. So so yes, you might be playing a game as a child, and 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 you're working your fine motor skills on that, but you're losing the tactile. Yes, so you're not playing you're with play on a touch screen. It feels the same. Like, yes. Yeah, it's, there's no variant to it. And that I think is something that we need to be aware of. We can't change life. I mean, screens, that's going to be part of us for the rest of our lives. Mm. But we need as a parent to say, okay, you've done enough screen time now. Get up. Go and walk outside, go and play, Mm. or can we download stuff, print it maybe, or whatever. And I know we are saving textbooks and we're saving that, but we are, in that sense, jeopardizing a few other senses. But if you download a coloring in pattern once or twice a week, you're not impacting that dramatically on on the environment, but you're impacting hugely on your child's learning. Yes. It's um, very interesting. Um, 
we've recently introduced a, a neurotherapist into um, our practice at yes. the C Clinic. Um, and, you know, I've introduced Melanie uh, to Yvonne. Um, there was something very interesting that Yvonne taught me, and this is about the primitive reflexes. We, she had a patient, an older gentleman, who had um, immigrated from Germany to South Africa um, at a later stage of life. And in Germany, you always wear socks. It's cold there. Mm. You always wear socks. And this patient started having difficulty walking. He couldn't get from the chair to the bathroom without getting into his wheelchair first. Good Lord. And what they realized is when they tested the primitive reflexes is that this guy had no sensory reflex. And the moment that they took off his socks... That he started feeling what it feels like mm. to have something under your feet and mm. making the differentiation between this is carpet, this is tile, this is grass. Um, he started and today he's not using a walker or a wheelchair at all. And I think what, what you guys just both said is there needs to be a variation between everything. Utilize yes. all your all your senses, sensory senses, um, hear things. Close your eyes and listen to something. Mm. Um, I recently had a, a, a problem with my eyes. Uh, Melanie, you're an optometrist. You thought it was accommodative spasm. And I can tell you it was one of the most harrowing two weeks of my life. I can believe it. Um, if, you, if you strengthen each sense individually... And there must be ways of doing that, Mel. Yes. Um, tell us about that. Yeah, well, you can just practice some, some skills and, and some input because it's an input. Mm. So you can just absolutely practice whatever you want to develop or enhance. But the problem is it's not in isolation. And you will then get fallouts in other parts. So we need to know what's the balance. And, and that's what I said. And I remember you having double vision and not having your peripheral field as you, I mean, obviously required to, to, to live in a life, to drive yeah. in a car, to see uh, what's happening around you. So we need to develop a balance between the senses that we are going to use. By just starting with sensory, I mean, the, the skin is the largest organ sure. in, in the body. How do we feel? Where do we feel? Rub, uh, rubbing on a floor, rubbing on a tile, just your feet, your arms, your hand, your back. I think that's things that we, we, we disregard when we get older. Mm. And, mm. and we need to pay attention and be aware that this is also an input. It's a feeling, uh, affection. Uh, how do we feel affection? Yeah. We, we need to get that going. And I know we're in, uh, so, uh, you know, we're in social distancing and, and things are different. But we shouldn't neglect the fact that we need to feel skin. We need to feel texture around us. Yeah. You know, there's, there, there was a movement a little while ago which made so much sense to me. And that was to take your socks and shoes off and go and stand on grass. Feel the growth. Feel, feel that different texture 
on the, but it had to be the living grass, not, not a, a nylon carpet grass. or not a nylon carpet or something like that. Actually going, and it, 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 I did it and I still do it as often as I can. It gives you that grounding. That is so, so important. The other thing, sorry, Mel, I'm just jumping in, but I once a month go to a special, a special massage class where we float in water and we moved around between 15 or 16 people. Well, I haven't done it for a while, but, but, and it's that touch. It's, you know, just to feel somebody else touching you and moving you and just relaxing into that. It's it unbelievable. It sounds like old man soup. Uh, a lot of the time it is <laughs> old person soup on this point, but no, but, but it really, it, it really is. It's, it's so but important. It's therapy, Chris, it's, and away. it's important for our bodies mm. to get another stimulus. Yeah. If we are just wo- working with the same, it, it gets worn out. And there's no effectiveness in, in what mm-hmm. we're doing. There's a lot of um, research being done on our earth, um, our earthing, uh, as we earth electricity, where yes. does it come from and where does the energy go? Um, walking on grass, feeling ground and little um, rocks and seeing little animals. Mm. That's very, very important. You know, as a child, I'm sure we all did this. Who made roads and things in the garden? We did. With, with playing and playing mud pies and that sort of thing. Now, the kids today simply do not do that. Um, I, I was out with my, one of my godsons the other, other day and his senses just went out the window because he took his mother's phone and he, he literally sitting at a, at a dinner table didn't lift his eyes. You, you, he didn't hear a thing and he just never plays outside like we did. Cars out of, out of rocks because sometimes we didn't have our cars. It's very interesting. I saw last night, um, on a group, uh, which Melanie's husband is, is the curator of. And what we did in the 50s, 60s, 70s and early 80s, mm. we, we break our, Arms, we fell out of trees, we fell off of bicycles, um, we scraped our knees. Exactly. Because we were outside. We went you on those got terrible play, playground equipment things that, yes. that are just metal. And none of us got an eye taken out no. or none of us got, you know, permanent brain damage. Yeah. You got a hiding because you came home late. Yes. You were supposed to be home before the streetlights went yeah. on. Yes. The rest of the day, no one cared where you were. And it's so incredibly different today. But if you allow your children to do that, you're a bad parent. Well, you're a bad parent. And it's much more dangerous, I think, nowadays. But it's interesting. um, I've got a grandson now. So we we have a sand pit. You know what's in the sand pit? Uh, Bags of sand. Playpen sand, specialized sand, the same texture. Sanitized. Sanitized. It is absolutely artificial. It's not sand. Yeah. It's not any other texture than than that. So it's, it's just, yes, they play in sand. What do they learn? Well, I don't really, they do learn, but I don't think it's, it's variation. And as I said, you need different textures to be, to develop that sense. Mm. Melanie, immediately my sense go to when when we grew up, uh, we were outside the whole time, and 
um, we were playing on things in things is the the spatial sense of our children today not being neglected uh, you know you were you were a natural sports person yeah. because you know what in your play that's what you did yes you see mark we improvised now i've 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 been born a century before you guys <laughs> so there was no things to play with mm. In the first instance, my father and mother couldn't afford nice uh, playground stuff. We could do that at a park. Yes. But we had to improvise. So we did stuff in the backyard, Uh, the the siblings and the the neighbors or whoever. Mm -hmm. But you had these, firstly, plans that you made. Secondly, you utilized spaces and and, uh, the area around you to the fullest. Yes. The kids now could Google how to build a little dollhouse. How to build a raft, yeah. Or a tent. And it will be clinical and it will be obviously a very pretty uh, structure. But the sense of engaging and making a plan and, and challenging and coming up with a solution, that doesn't happen from an early age. Mm. So now we get to the top end. And you get into a bank or you get into any corporate and you want people to solve any problem and come up with solutions. They don't know where to start. Well, they'll start with Google because that's what they've been taught. They haven't been um, actually exposed to taking stuff, taking clay, building, feeling, seeing, what, what's the environment, what's the impact of this, what will happen, is this strong enough to keep the structure? Mm, mm. Now, I find when I teach, um, if kids are just watching the screen and they don't have a pen in their hand, I'm not teaching, they are listening. That's an audience. Yes. An audience sits in a pavilion at a soccer match. They're not playing I need the, the players. Game. I need the mm. players out on the field, touching the grass, kicking the ball, checking where's my opponent, making a plan. And that's the difference with being a spectator, clapping hands and saying uh, after the match, oh, what was the score again? I didn't <laughs> even attend to that. Yeah. Or really being on that field and, and, and using energy. And that's what we neglect. We look at these screens with all these lovely teachers or material or documents or plans. But is it your, is it your handwriting? Because that's the neurons that works. Exactly. My own handwriting, my own notes. I've seen on Facebook parents selling summaries. How on earth Ugh. can somebody else make a summary for you? Your, um, different learning styles, your different intelligences. And that's another topic we can go into mm, one day mm. because some people have different intelligences and we need to know who's this person sitting in front exactly. of me. And I had this chat with Yvonne and I think the, the basic stuff that we start off with is assessing who's this person. Yeah. And a parent might find with three, uh, with three kids, the siblings will differ. 
their learning I styles. I hope they do. They, they will certainly, and you cannot put them in a little tunnel and say all of us will do it this way. Look, I mean, growing up, we all went through probably the, the government education system where one size fits all for, for, for everybody. You know, you, you, you know, I think today the, the education, especially in the private sector, is far more flexible and does look at the skills of the individual and stuff like that which is which is amazing but we still go back to to the um how that is being taught and and i think that's so important Chris, I've been involved in a new online website now with lectures yes and it is amazing we launched the foundation phase last week and I'm looking at those foundation phase teachers and I'm in awe. They are involving the little ones. Mm. They are doing tactile, then they're going on to hearing, then they're going back to touching, and then it's say out loud and it's amazing, and I, I and I have to tell you, most of our teachers out there, whether they're in a private school, whether they're in a cottage school, or really in a in a government school, and some of these teachers are making plans. Let me tell you, if it's a poorly funded school, you will find that they've got uh, little Cheerios or. Uh, little snacks mm. where the kids can see this is round, this is a, a triangle. Touch it, feel it, stack it on each other, and it's amazing. But the one thing, as I say, I'm looking at this material. They involve the kids. They have to be active and with all their senses. But I have to acknowledge our teachers out mm. there, the ones I'm working with, the ones I've seen in 40 years of exposure in many schools, township, rural schools. Um, very, very upmarket private schools. These teachers really know what they're doing. Mel, good. Um, we we're talking about the younger learners, specifically when we're thinking um, of touch and sense. What do we do? How do we help our intermediary and our senior learners? Because some of us learn. New things and embark on uh, master's degrees and, and doctor's uh, PhDs at an older age. How do we help them? With the basics. The basics is use all your senses. I tell my PhD and master's students, draw me a diagram. Mm. Show me your path. Where are you going? Feel it. So it's all about start with a planning Planning, uh, and that any corporate will tell you, where are we going with this? But this needs to be your document, your path. In, 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 in research, we talk about a framework. Now, a framework for a little child would be something that they climb on. Yeah. It's exactly that for a mature person. If I'm planning my holiday, I'm having a framework. A framework of time of uh, what do I need, uh, where are we going. So I think that concept of planning, thinking a little bit in the future, uh, and, and parents must be very careful. We do that for our kids. Yes. Uh, we give them the plan, whereas my suggestion is always ask them to come up with a plan and then sit and discuss it. But, you know, um, what happened the past year, and I hear it from from. People all around me, everybody was very scared to send their kids to school. 
Mm. And then, to some extent, parents couldn't wait to send them back to school <laughs> because they didn't know what to do. Mm. I think the pressures in in the house, uh, mommy and daddy has got work to do. They've got their planning. And I still maintain that if you want your kid to learn, you are the example. Yes. A kid won't work hard if they don't see mommy and daddy working hard. A kid won't make their bed if they don't see, well, somebody else in the house is also doing that. Or Pick keeping the papers. house tidy, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So example with learning is much more important than we think. We cannot outsource this to a school. No. A school will have a structured learning program. Yes, we know, because they trained. But certainly not manners, certainly not attitude, certainly not behavior. I'm, I I'm want to veer off a little bit, and this is about planning. Mel, you've known me for 40 years, um, and one of the, my biggest problems that I've realized in life is working with other people because I know where I want to go but never plan the route. Um, it's In my mind, I'm already there mm. and I get there but very quickly. And it was one of my frustrations at school is that why can't other people get or grasp this concept? What do you do for someone like me? At a young age Because it's now become a problem in my life Yeah, because you didn't learn to deal with with your own impatience mm. And that that happens in a house And, and within the environment where we love each other And we can make mistakes We need to know we, we sometimes have to wait Or keep yourself busy with something else Yes. Until the others are there. Oh, and, and something I like, I use it with my students in class. I do it. I've been doing this for years. Why don't you help the others until they are there? If you're already there. And, and it helps if you sit with a math problem and your brother or somebody else sits next to you and say, let me help you. You, can, you know I can understand better if I can explain. Exactly. Yes. And exactly. I think when we in in any household or any environment it can be in an office as well. We we need to support each other. But you know we're climbing these ambitious trees and we want to be first and we want to win and we want to be there before anybody else. And that doesn't help in a group. I mean, if you're an individual, if you're somebody in a practice like you, you're working on your own, mm. that's one thing. But to work in a corporate where you've oh, got yeah. to wait for other data or a budget to be accepted or people who's got no knowledge, but they have to be part of your team. We all have that. Yeah. What's our influence on them? Are we telling them I'm there already or are we sitting beside them? And, you know, that's actually the word, the Latin word where assessment, assessere comes from. Sit beside. As, uh, nice. Sit nice. beside yeah. me and help me and see if we can get there. And, and then the frustration would be less, I'm sure. Mm. Mm. This, is, uh, this is incredibly interesting. Um, Mel, young learners, they start literally in infancy. What do we have for parents that um, are now homeschooling? Because we we are seeing 
more and more people thinking that they can homeschool. I think homeschool has always been part of us. School, the formal schooling, Mm. is different. Homeschool, in terms of what do we do at home, is learning. And since infancy, as you say, there's, I mean, Dr. Google is, I mean, you can go onto any website and see what can I do with a three-year-month-old? What can I do with a five-month-old? We can do all of this. And, I mean, if we've got resources, you can go out and buy and you can order and take a lot of toys and you can do just what you want. I think parents need to go and sit around a table and discuss how are they going to do it and why are they going to do it. Is it just to keep the child busy? Are are we only saying to the children, sit in front of the TV, there's a nice TV series and you will learn the colors or you'll learn counting? There's no involvement of parents. And, yes, they will be able to recognize a yellow or a black or a blue because the presenter said it seven, eight times. But how do they learn is by example, sitting next to them. And I would advise any parent who's at this stage even thinking of homeschooling, then you'll have to have structure. And I've said it in a previous program, get up in the morning. Get dressed as if I'm going to school Have a space at home Whether it's the breakfast table Clear it off And then this is school Kids need to be ready to step into an environment one day Whether it's in school Whether it's in in a high school Or whether it's a university Or in a corporate They've got to work in the Community, hundred percent, and these rules. I often speak about Alice, and Alice hates me speaking about. Hello, Alice. (laughs) Um, But for me, that's what's very interesting is we know that we have to give structure to young learners. Government schools at the moment, and this is the school that Alice's son goes to, are one day. On one day off, one day on one day. No, sorry. Um, one week they go to school on a Tuesday and a Thursday. The next week they Three go days. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But that that surely must be confusing for for kids because one day they up and they in their school uniform, and the next day they're at home and. What happened, for instance, with with Alice's son, Emmanuel, was that Friday he was off, Monday was the public holiday, and Tuesday was another off day for him. So he had a week off. This This surely can't be good for them. But what do we do about that? Mm. Um, a kid won't even recognize that it's something like that. They'll just know I don't have to get. Yeah, up yeah I don't morning. have to. Exactly. Yeah. That that is a child a, a child's way of thinking. Mm. What do we do about it? I know of many schools who give enough work for the next day as yes. well. But um, what's the parents' attitude? I know Alice. I know she will sit and spend time with uh, Emmanuel. 
But what do we do and what can we do within the framework of earning a salary, of maintaining whatever there is, um, to take the responsibility of a full-time teacher, is it's, it's huge. And especially in the broader context, our social socioeconomic context, where, where you've got parents, either absentee parents, which happens a lot, a lot of the time, um, or one parent who's leaves for work at four o'clock in the morning, gets home after seven, eight o'clock at night. And, the, you know, where, where do they have the capacity to involve themselves in their children's life? I mean, a lot of them do, and I'm not taking that away, but, but it's, it's a huge, huge burden. And it puts a burden not only on that parent, on the child themselves. If, if, if they have to be made to understand how important this this all is and there's a burden on 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 the school it's it's and 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 you're feeling terrible a yeah. parent feels terrible i know of many parents who lives in townships who drop their little ones off five o'clock in the mm. morning at a magogo who's looking at city kids yeah they'll get their little porridge in the morning they'll have their little toast at 11 and they'll sit around and play Yes, they do stimulating stuff, but what will that be? I mean, it's an untrained person who's looking and minding after, let's say, 30 small little babies. So we've got And that all individual of this. attention, which it's, is so important, is. is not there. So we are planning to put together a few hints for people minding little kids and say, let's do these activities mm. with little rocks with little this uh, let's just get you going even if it's just a five day cycle and you can repeat that mm. but parents need to know that when they are with their kids that they need to know that they are then the teacher and not think this is a day off or you know it's it's somebody else's job and and they do feel guilty. I know of many, many people who say, I'd rather stay at home. And after lockdown, I can tell you now, they say, I'd rather go back to the office. Mm. I'm mm. not geared. I don't have patience. I don't have structure. I don't know how to do this. So it's quite important for us to acknowledge that we aren't homeschoolers if we aren't trained to be a homeschooler. But we have to, and I've said it often, we have to support the school structure. 100%. Mm. Mel, I see you've made a couple of notes. Um, where, where do you want to take us on this? I think if parents, anybody, a grandparent, anybody working with young people, acknowledge that it's not just a content-driven education system. It's not just content. It is much more than Putting words on paper. Right. It needs to be content assimilated into our daily lives, solving problems, thinking about things, metacognition, thinking critically about why am I learning this? Why am mm. I doing this? Using senses, writing down. Parents read. Go to bed with your child and read a book and ask them to read a book. Let them hear their voice. Let they, them hear your voice. The sound, not just watching a TV or watching a little show on a cell phone. That's not good enough. Touching. 
touching firstly paper, touching stuff, but touching each other. And I think that's the the most important sensory learning um, advice that I'd like to give this morning is to be more involved and more enticed to really see how can I embrace all the senses rather than just giving them content um, to just have a look at. I want to bring this back a little bit more medical. Um, Mel, the psychological impact on children through learning is huge. As a parent, what should I look out for? What are the signs that I have to have my child assessed and maybe give specialist help to? What are small things? Because I do think that we are going to create insular children, especially in single child households. We have to be careful, Mark, if we use the word assessment and I'm not an avid supporter of assessing everybody every time because we then start labeling and it's very easy to label and put kids into boxes. Um, a colleague and I've always said any child who's naughty is then ADHD. Any child who's quiet is suddenly they're autistic. It, it's, it's just labeling. So we have to be very careful. I would advise parents to speak to each other. They are two or three or four people. Mm. And check behavior. Children are very clever. We think we've got clever kids when you are a grandparent. All your grandchildren are the most clever kids. <laughs> Let me tell you they are because they manipulate people. Sure. If they don't get what they want, they will manipulate you up to a point where you'll say, I'm just going to give it to you because these tantrums or whatever age group and whatever behavioral outfalls there might be. But I think be aware, be honest, acknowledge if it's your mistake and it can be rectified. Speak to people. Mm. Don't assess in the medical sense everything because it might be not, you know, what you wanted it to be. But I think we need to be aware but as I say, get a soundboard, get a friend, get a mentor. Uh, a, a parent will tell their own kids, listen, you are now this, this way that you're bringing up your child is not right. Have that honesty because we are all working towards a child that can be assimilated as a very good citizen, well-equipped, happy in, in society. I, I have a patient, um, a, a young mother who whose husband is uh, away at work for the work week oh. they are homeschooling the 11 year old and this mother formed a codependent relationship with this child to the point oh boy, where yes. the child was the one who 
came into the consultation and answered, what pills are mommy taking? Sure. 11-year-old. 11-year-old. Yeah. In my next consultation, I voiced this. The child was in the consultation again. Oh, my word. And eventually we had Sister Elise um, said, okay, fine. You now need to leave. Because I, I immediately picked up that there was something bothering the mom. Yeah. And I asked her, how are you? And it was, the answer came as, yes. And, you know, I don't have children. Mm. I don't know. I think I would Not have killed you know them. <laughs> um, and Elise immediately realized that there's a, there's a, there's a problem. Yeah, there's we can't barrier, talk yeah. about the kid. And it came out uh, when, when the child left that she's the one who's causing the problem. Yes. The mother is so caught in the child actually making decisions that her life is ruled by an 11-year-old. He's the parent and she's the child. I've I've got the same situation with with a friend of mine and her seven year old, totally enmeshed lives. Um, this this child knows no boundaries. Um, is it, it also answers for the mother constantly. It's a huge huge problem. And you know you sit there as a group of adults, and there's this yeah. seven year old chirping. Now I mean I was grown up. Uh, and you were I not allowed in adult conversation. Would you stop counting teeth? Yes. You know, or when he done a Delny yes, in exactly. Afrikaans. You know, just what are you doing here? Go and play. Yes. You know, and this child never happens. He, at seven, he's still sleeping in his mother's bed. Always, she's a single mother, always has done. And I'm saying to her, you've got to, got to put him in his own room. So in that's his own compensation bed. that's happening all the time. He's her and partner. Mark, you are quite right. I think it's very difficult. We mm. cannot tell parents what to do. But I'll go back to what I just said a few seconds ago. Parents need to get a friend, mm. a family member with whom you can discuss these problems. Language. Put, put your problems into words and it will be becoming a structure. And then saying, but I'm grappling with this. What do you suggest I do? I'm sure if you go to many psychologist practices, um, where they are working with children, in, and I won't be able to define a, a number, but I'll tell you more than 70% is the, the parents are the problem. Mm. Um, either having a very high expectations and putting pressure on kids, or as we know, they never reach their own potential and they are now think they live through this kid. Mm. Or they want to keep these kids happy. Uh, I've often seen parents that wants to be their kid's friend. Now, people out there, how, how can you not have your own friends? Yeah. And why don't you allow your kid to have friends of their peer Age appropriate. Group? It's got to be age appropriate. I mean, what are they going to see and learn? 
So we have to be very careful mm. that we don't start becoming our friend, our, our child's only friend. I mean, if you on Facebook with your children and you are commenting, commenting on what they do, have a look, just step back a little bit and just think about what am I doing? Why yeah. am I moving in this space? Yeah. Where can my kid go to if I'm in their world and maintain that distance? And never, and never allowing your child to to learn stuff them, themselves. If, if, if another friend of mine's daughter got an amazing matric, and in fact she didn't, because the mother did every practical assignment for her, did all of all of this sort of thing. Yes, she must have had some knowledge because she wrote the exams, of course. But for the main part, the actual nitty gritty of doing the projects, getting that year mark, was done by the mother. Totally, yeah, 100, 100%. We've got students coming in with the nicest summaries mm. with mom's handwriting. And yes, they help them and they read out loud and they ask questions. My only problem is, is this going to end here or will it get into their marriage one day yeah. and how they bring up their kids? When do we say, I'm on the border now? Yeah. And parents need to sit and discuss this in an open and frank way and say, I'm overstepping my borders now. This is not where I should be. I've got my play group. I've got my playing field. That's not part of my life. We okay. need to acknowledge that we don't need to be everywhere all the time. I, I think it's becoming more and more difficult for parents, especially since COVID, that um, we we are also now forced to stay at home. Um, and then, you know what? The people in the house become everything. Um, yes, things are lifting. I, I, I hope it stays this way. Um, we look at what's happening in Europe and it looks a bit dire for us during winter, but mm. we'll get there. Mel, um, Chris has shown the five minute hand. Um, summarize. Talk to us about Dork. Um, Dork, the new platform. Dork online. Um, you can have a little click on there. You've got a month free subscription. It's only foundation phase at this stage. We'll give you excellent teachers with very, very short lessons. And if we go back to what I said just now, senses, it's 10-minute lessons. It's quite enough content for a child to quickly have a look, get out a piece of paper or mom and dad sit and play. And then please go outside, rest your eyes, uh, look at something in the distance so that you don't get the spasm in your eyes by looking at the screen all the time. So you'll see it's an interactive um, website where we will have the FET later on as well. So we're very excited about that. When you but say, sorry, Mel, when you say foundation phase, just grade one, grade two, and grade three. And as we know, you can repeat those all the time because counting, saying a word, identifying, um, looking at your body, you can enhance that by repeating it. Mm. But the main problem, I think, is when we sit our kids in front of a, a screen and then walk out 
and go and drink coffee or do whatever we can. We need to sit next to especially the little ones and see what's happening. Um, soon on that same website, we'll have a few um, clips for, for parents or teachers uh, to assist them and to say, how do you do this and what, where are you now? And just trying to get them also at the same level um, that we want the kids to be. How do you say a spell talk? Just- D-O. R double K. Double K. Okay, because I came up with the Dutch Ophthalmology Research yes. Center. Yes, yes. <laughs> if it's D O R C. D O R double K. Fantastic. And this we can use in a community form. In a community form, we can have anybody downloading it on a phone. Everybody else can have a look at. Very affordable. It's less than 150 Rand a month for. Everything for uh, one device then, but it's it's cheap, uh, it's accessible, and we'd like to get sponsors out there that we can utilize for other communities. So at that rate, a parent might say, um, Mark might say, I'm going to give Alice uh, a, a subscription for Dork, and that's how we want to roll this out later I think on. You've just been put on the spot. Yes, <laughs> yes, Mark. I think it's important that we share uh, what we have mm. with everybody. Our country is in dire need of, of education. parents helping and assisting in a way that we know is the right way, mm. because we don't always know. But if, on a final note. Just know that we learn with senses, make sense of that, know that it's not just content, know that they've got to hear your voice, that they've got to see your example, that they've got to feel your affection, Mm. um, that they've got to taste and that they've got to smell. Whilst you're cooking, let them smell. Whilst you're cooking, let them cut. Smell this basil leaf. Smell that. And and that's how you learn herbs, actually. It's the most wonderful way. Smell a lemon and an orange. And can you smell the difference? Mm. That's what we remember when we're old. I can remember that sting of a bee. I can remember that. Um, We cannot remember uh, uh, content. We cannot remember words. Word by word. Yes. But we'll remember those sensory inputs in our last lifelong. Mel, always fascinating. Thank you very much. We'll, we'll continue with this series as the year progresses. Um, it's always a pleasure to have you in. Um, Chris, next week, um, we actually have Yvonne in. Fantastic. Um, Yvonne van Beek, our neurotherapist. She will have to explain exactly what she does, but it's using and um, diagnosing neural conditions through our primary reflexes. It's going to be a very interesting show. Sure. I mean, that's, it, it, it fits in very nicely with what we spoke about today. Yes. yes. Is, uh, you, you know, be, because that just takes it to that next level. Next, next level. And I just want to classify, um, this is, we're going back to primitive reflexes that we use to treat people in all ages of life and all stages of life with every single condition from psychological to physical. Right. So, um, yeah. take, we have listen. To remember, it's a whole brain, it's not bits and parts. And that's exactly what you're saying, going back to that primitive. Thank you very much for having me.
It's been amazing. We will see you all next week. Have a great one. This has been the Tea Health Show with Dr. Mark and Chris Avon Smith, sponsored by the Tea Clinic. For more information, contact admin at theteaclinic.com.